Welcome to the Black Boy Joy Show. It's me, RV, and I'm here with Mr. McGill and the amazing author, Mark Xavier DeVille. And our Black Boy of the Day is Langston Blaze. How are you, sir? How's everybody doing? How are you guys? Good, good. How's everyone? Mm -hmm. What are we sipping on today? I didn't bring anything. What? <laughs> wait, wait, did you know, you didn't know where you were coming? Oh boy, what? I, 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 I <laughs> I'm having wine today, so, but I did, but I did bring my water because I needed water because I had a really long weekend, so I had some, I need to get my water to, in, my water in, so I did bring my water with me, but what are you doing, Zay? What are you drinking on? So recently I bought a Ninja Blender Bullet. Mm. So I decided to do frozen margaritas today. Mm. Mm. Is that a copper glass? A copper cup? Yeah, I got to keep my drink nice and cold. You see, it's nice and frosty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I, I like it. Milk, you know, so. Ah, and how about you, Mr. McGill? I am drinking a. I'm not sure what to call it, but we're gonna. You know what? Darn, it's not gin. It was gin. I was gonna call it my gin and juice. Wait, you have a name uh, for it already? <laughs> well, no, it's uh, Ray and nephew. No, Ray and nephew. Mm -hmm. Overproof rum, um, which is oh my gosh, so good. With some ruby red grapefruit juice and some cram pomegranate juice. Oh wow! And I topped it up with uh, the rest of my little white wine that I was sipping on earlier. Mm, see. I so, a name for it. if I had some fresh mint, you know. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, it's about presentation, huh? So Langston, so you know, next time you're gonna have to bring something. I know, I know, to be prepared. Now. Yes. <laughs> awesome. All right, you guys ready for a little bit of uh, history of a black boy? Sure. Let's do it. Yeah. So today I have Phil Wilson. Phil Wilson was born on April twenty second, nineteen fifty six, in Chicago, Illinois. He founded the Black AIDS Institute in 1999 and served as its uh, CEO and prominent African-American HIV AIDS activist, which he is still currently doing. Phil and his partner, Chris Brownlee, started activism after they were both diagnosed with HIV in the early 1980s. Phil has said that when he dies, he hopes people will remember him for not giving up his biggest fear is that the black community will give up fighting against this disease. Learn him, embrace his star power, Phil Wilson. Mm -hmm. You know what I love so much about Phil? I've had the pleasure to meet him on several accounts. Um, I was able to do the African American HIV University, also known as AHU program, oh. as a result of the Black AIDS Institute. Mm -hmm. and he's just just a pillar of knowledge and just a great guy in the community. Mm. So it's great that you would, you know, pay homage to him today. So Yeah, you know, he, I, I knew I knew a little bit about him, but yeah, he, he has really come a long way, especially for uh, this our community and things. So Wait, I wanted to at question. least... What's the name of that um, organization? You said Ahi, Ahu? Ahu, A-A-H-U, the African American HIV University. I mean, it's a program that's in collaboration with um, UCLA and the Black AIDS Institute, where they sent us to US, um, UCLA for a science and treatment college to learn various aspects of HIV, as far as um, the scientifics behind it, 
also um, some behavioral things, mm-hmm. some outreach and mobility type aspects to it. But um, overall, it was about a year-long fellowship that I was able wow. to do while I um, employed at an uh, organization here in Atlanta. Mm. So it was a very dope program. I learned a lot, and uh, it really, really benefited my career in the long run. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah, I'm going to have to remember that. I have to do a little more research on him because he is a really cool black boy. So, um, Langston, this is your first time on the show. So, um, so tell us a little bit about your, um, your career, your music that you like to do. Uh, well, um, well, to get into like my, my career, um, I pretty much started trying to venture in entertainment. I mean, pretty much all my life, but like really actually going out there where people could see me in 2012, I started doing a lot of web series. I'm associated with a lot of, um, LGBT uh, productions. So that was really just for me to get my kind of foot out the door. I consider myself a total entertainer. So I never really was one of those people that was like, okay, I'm just going to do music or I'm just going to write or I'm just going to dance. It's always been everything. So it's always been like a balancing act uh, for me to be able to try to sort of get my foot just in the door. Right. Um, about two years ago, I decided to take music a little bit more serious. So that's when I started actually recording. So um, I didn't want to put too much pressure on myself. So I started out with one single and promoted that for a year, mm-hmm. shot a video the next year. And um, then the following year, we worked on the album, well, EP, I should say. And then now we're in album mode. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's really cool. So in the business, do you, are there, um, do you have like issues or concerns that um, being a LGBTQ artist in the music industry, is there like this kind of um, backlash that you get? Are you are you going to be open in your career in the industry? Or are you gonna? Oh, I've already. I've, I've been very open. Yeah, I'm okay. being open right now. Um, mm. uh, <laughs> I just think to get to the, I guess, quote unquote, mainstream thing, um, you have to kind of get in, in touch with your own community, and to be, I, I guess, a little bit of there's a little bit of irony in that is that it's been a little bit more difficult for me to reach my own community than it has a mainstream community. Right. Um, because there's so many different issues associated with body image issues, as I was talking about today on Facebook. Um, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of people just don't want to touch on it anymore because it seems like it's a old topic, but even the colorism issue, mm-hmm. um, your femininity versus masculinity, hyper-masculinity, all these sort of things I think are issues um, in the gay community, and, and I think that they, I think from coming from an LGBT artist perspective, you want to be able to start somewhere, and, and that should feel like your most comfortable place to start. And it seems like actually that's the most difficult place. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. I think I, I, I think always that say that's that. That's kind of the misconception is that we're going to be open arms, and then it's going to be difficult for you to get in touch with the mainstream. Mm-hmm arena but it's really not that difficult it's not that difficult mm. at all i actually get more attention from straight female women than i do gay men so it's, mm. it's kind of it's kind of interesting how that how that works you know so right do you think that uh, <laughs> i've always always thought that um we have to fix the things that are in our community first before we try to be accepted into the larger community um, right. And with the whole masculinity, femininity thing, the 
you know, the lighter skin ones against the darker ones, the thinner ones against the larger ones. You know what I mean? Like, so this, the things, some of those things we're just going to have to fix within our community before we try to, um, to, to move into the larger, uh, gay community or, or even the, you know, music community. There, there's just some things that we're just, I think, reflect back on ourselves that we hate about ourselves, that we dislike about ourselves. And so we put that off on, Oh, the community, the the music industry doesn't like gay people, and I'm like, um, I think they they do. I think it might it might be a little easier if we just fix some of the things that are going on with our, with ourselves. Then I, I mean, you know, if I, let me say something about that real quick. So, but you're saying that you have found more resistance, right, within yep. your own community. Mm-hmm. I mean, so i don't think i think it is important for us to take care of our own build our own establish our own develop our own um but there are times when there's nothing wrong with getting allies you know what i'm saying that are outside of our community absolutely you yeah. know so i mean because you still need to build something you know what right. i'm saying yeah and if it's very true people aren't going to support you and you've tried and you've tried and they're still not going to support you what you just stop or die trying for them to support you right they were just yeah they were just saying that on the real like and there were people a lot of these actors um joaquin phoenix actually said it in his in his acceptance speech um about stepping we we still need allies that are not in the community that we're necessarily in so we still need those allies that are able to help us get our messages across there's a lot of people, you know, he was, he was basically talking about, yeah, the white people, you guys need to step up because these black artists are not getting, are not getting recognized or, you know, being awarded in things. We do need straight people, um, as allies to get into different, different places. You know what I mean? But after you, you know, for me, after you get established, you, you can really, um, utilize the, the the heterosexual world to your advantage, you know, <laughs> you know, so yeah. For, mm-hmm. Zay, have you, um, is, have you uh, ran into any kind of issues? Uh Oh, he'll be back. <laughs> um, so are there some challenges that we need to, um, maybe look at, um, being a, LGBTQ artists um, not being marketable, meaning does do these companies, these record labels, they see you, the first thing they see you as is a gay person. And then they just say, oh, we can't market that. We, we, how do we market it? Where do we go? Where do we go with that? So how do you do, what do you do for your marketing? Langston. Oh, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, to be honest, I, I I take the 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 what I like to call the the Janet Madonna route, and I and I'm a I'm a complete rebel. Mm. Yeah, like my my thing is, um, I don't think that being a rebel means that you have to be necessarily controversial. It's it's really what the world decides is controversial. Mm. You know, me, That's I just true. I just consider it my story. I consider it my ideas, my concepts, and if those concepts have a something to do with our community which they will and they have mm-hmm. they, that's just what it is and that's not something that i want to hide and my thing is even with my videos for instance I, I like to always deliver some sort of quote or message 
that has to do with the video that you're going to see before you develop this crazy strong opinion that's uh, against maybe what you saw. Mm. So um, when you see my first video, is um, the quote says, uh, "Remember, hypermasculinity is dumb as fuck." Mm. And I really wanted to to sort of like just establish that because some of the image images that you see are like three dimensional. You see like this performance sort of like shot, and then you see obviously uh, a lot of uh, uh, styling and 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 things of that nature that are very uh, much so ballroom sort of inspired or or are um, maybe have more of a feminine edge to it mixed with the masculinity or mm -hmm. maybe just one or the other. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really not trying to cater to anyone and make you say, hey, I look this part or I look this part, like me, like me. It's just, this is who it is. And if you don't really like the introduction, it's just like when you meet someone, either you you feel it or you don't feel that, it. You that know, first that impression. Music is a very natural sort of thing. It's just like food. You either like it or you don't like it. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the way that I, mm -hmm. that's, that's my approach to it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Zay, that's, yeah, I was asking you, Zay, about any kind of pushback that you get from, um, you know, public, um, publishing companies. Um, do they know that you're LGBT artist, LGBTQ artist? Uh, do you not share that when you're doing, um, a book, you know, uh, my release? approach was as simple as just realizing that for me art is art and my sexuality is just a piece of me you know what mm -hmm. i mean how i identify that's me but <clears throat> as long as i'm able to tell the stories that i want to tell in an authentic manner um <clears throat> i don't receive a lot of pushback only mm -hmm. because people well from my audience they've respect respected the transparency of just my opinion of what our experiences look like. Mm -hmm. um, I'm the type of artist, I don't have an agenda. So I'm not necessarily trying to make you feel a certain way or force you to think a certain way. But my goal is to be respectful of whatever demographic I'm representing by telling that story as authentic as I know how. Uh, one thing that I will say in total transparency is I deliberately wrote in a particular style to engage more um, populations. Mm. Uh, once I read my first draft of Southern Trees, as I read it back, it appeared more based on sexuality and less based on life experiences. So um, I didn't want it to be categorized as a erotic book or mm -hmm. things of that such only because of the content that it covers you know it talks about um sexual experiences sexual initiation sexual abuse mm -hmm. um yet those stories need to be told but in a way that people wouldn't get lost in the sex you know what i mean right so i right. decided to just tell that same story but in a, a way that would allow people to get into the message without getting lost in the translation of mm -hmm. the so, sexual elements of what the book presented. Yeah, so a parent could read it, read a chapter to their kid and it not be just about the sex part of it. It's actually, there's a right. more, there's a, a message behind the story right here. Yeah, okay. Right. 
I like that. So you like know, if the child is like a teenager at least, because if not, she don't want to read it to me. Right. <laughs> you know, because I still wanted to present it in a very adult, in a very raw, in a very real way. Uh huh. But I focus on making it artistic and making it, you know, literature because most of the art that inspired me was things that said very simplistic things but in very intricate ways and i was always impressed on how you can use your words to paint the imagery of something so simple you know to paint or to deliver the message or the lesson that you're trying to provide Mm -hmm. so that was the only thing that i kind of was concerned with not necessarily if it was considered like a gay story or a straight story Mm -hmm. because even with my work you see that sexuality is fluid um, none of my characters are, you know, in a box. All of them mm-hmm. express their um, sexuality and their individuality in their own ways. Right. So uh, it's something for everybody. Mm. And I did that intentionally because I want to be known as a great fiction writer, not just a great black fiction writer right. or a black gay fiction writer. Yeah. But just note the fact that I'm a great damn writer, mm-hmm. period. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So Langston, where um how is it, it how did you come up with your name? Um well I was named after Langston Hughes, so mm-hmm. that was a given. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And um Aliyah's my favorite singer and I wanted a way to sort of attribute to her. So mm-hmm. um her and Missy had a song on Missy's first album called John Blaze. Mm-hmm. So I decided to name myself Langston John Blaze. Ah, Ah, that is really cool. We, you know, Aaliyah is really in the universe. She is. We, everybody's been talking about her lately. So much lately. Yeah, and it's so funny too because uh, people always talk about her legacy and you know what it means to today. But if she didn't mean as much as she did then and now, I don't think we would be talking about her as much because there've been plenty of people that I think that have passed away, unfortunately, and you don't really hear their names. Mm. as much like mm. a, like for instance like a phyllis hyman phyllis hyman is amazing mm-hmm. but i just don't feel like you hear her name like you should you don't you know hear it I mean? as so much i think when you think about Aaliyah, for some reason her impact i don't know if it's because she's a little bit more modern um and if you look at a lot of her pictures even now she still looks extremely like someone that you can see outside like right, right now. now yeah you still so see her yeah it's, it's kind of like that james dean sort of like marilyn monroe mm. effect where mm. it's like they just kind of have this sort of universal impact now and if you if she still has it 20 plus years it's almost been 20 plus years since she's been gone mm. i don't think it's gonna go away anytime Mm-mm. anytime soon yeah and you know uh, what see i love the always, comparison we'll always love her and we'll always think about her you know? always Definitely. we'll always wish you know we're thinking like how would she sound like yeah. yes would she have kids right now like oh my god yeah so i think about uh when you were saying about phyllis hyman and um Aaliyah. see Aaliyah, i think is just, she's just so memorable first because she was she was young and she was like at the height of her career um right. phyllis hyman was she was kind of on a down spiral in her career when she passed away. So people weren't really even talking about her at the end of her career. True. So when she, so when she passed, it was just like, Oh, Phyllis Hyman passed, you know, you, you, you know what I mean? But Aaliyah was like, she was at the top of her career. I think she, yeah, I think she was doing signs of sort of like what Lady Gaga is doing now and like what Barbara Streisand did, like that mm. sort of triple threat. Mm-hmm. Sort of being able to sort of see them in so many different lights. And then not only to do it, but to execute each one, mm-hmm. which is a very rarity. Like you take you take some singers, they can sing out this world, put them in front of a camera to act, and it doesn't really 
convey the same message or maybe they can sing and act but they can't dance mm. and she just happens to be able to do all the all, all her movement to do them phenomenally it's kind of like oh wow it's like that doesn't happen very often so i think that's another thing that makes her so yeah memorable to a lot of people yeah definitely speaking of dancing you know, um, I guess a really big, well, uh, he is a, a, the hugest, one of the hugest singers right now um, in the LGBTQ community with Todrick Hall. So with having these um, gay black men uh, that are in the music industry right now, um, do you feel that they um, were good role models for you? Did you look to them, the ones that you were able to see and know that, oh, I can be a gay black man and still have a musical career. Did you have any of those, uh, any any um, people like, ahead of you that were heroes or something for you? Um, you know, it's so funny, like I said, um, music hasn't always been the only thing that impact me. And I don't really think for me, especially in, in my generation, there wasn't a lot of that that I could sort of look to and say, okay, this is a good example. And this person led the way for me to be able to sort of feel comfortable in my own element and come out the way that I want to musically. Mm -hmm. um, at least they weren't open to my knowledge. Right. Um, a lot of actors, I, I would say, definitely um, gave me that sort of inspiration. But musically speaking, I think that the ones that probably gave me the most inspiration were the ones that were a little bit more colorful in their personalities and, and maybe a little bit more flamboyant in the way they dress and different concepts and um, that sort of thing. So someone like a Prince mm. or someone like a Michael Jackson um, who has this very sort of like outrageous sort of like very colorful concepts and videos and mm -hmm. so people like that were definitely people that were inspirational for me and um janet jackson someone who you know heavily keeps mm. the, the gay influence yeah you know, and does it naturally too that's yes. another thing i think that makes janet so mm -hmm. special is that she does it naturally it, it never feels forced like yeah. she doesn't have to say gay 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 in her music you just feel the love just naturally and i think that we gravitated toward her back then i don't think it was necessarily i think she just noticed it mm. and embraced it but mm -hmm. um nowadays she just feels like people are doing it because they know this is a good money maker mm. so it, it comes off as sort of like it doesn't feel like you're really it's almost like trying to be someone's friend but that person that's like it just feels forced right right it's the same it's the same sort of thing and you you'll know you'll know you know it just gives you that sort of impact and that feeling so mm. those people i would say have given me the most inspiration when it comes to dealing with our community directly mm, yes yeah you, it's the same way yeah you can you can tell when someone doesn't like you because of the color of your skin and yeah. doesn't like you because right. uh I, it, it's just your I job you know this because it sounds bad but at the same time there's a i've noticed now with a few of our pop especially female acts um there is a moment unfortunately where their sort of fame doesn't translate to the newer generation so it just seems like they immediately gravitate towards us you start seeing them at pride events more and, mm. and it just seems like these people who would normally be so unattainable all of a sudden are are in our atmosphere and, and it just seems like i hate that sort of impact of okay you don't have this sort of universal commercial impact anymore so the the gay community is kind of like your fallback plan mm. you know what i mean mm. and, and I just, i'm starting to see that trend a lot and, and it's just and it kind of it kind of worries me a little bit like why does it always seem like we people don't notice you know our impact until it's like they're at their their lowest point you know mm, what i mean you know what 
They want they want to, they want you to vote for them when they need yeah. that vote. <laughs> yeah. But any other time, you don't want to even deal with us. You don't even want us doing your hair. You don't want us doing your makeup. You don't want us. Right. You don't. You don't. We can't even come into your church. But you call us because you need your hair done and you need your makeup done and you need that. But you know we can't walk into the same church together. So, but yeah. it's it, it, you know it's crazy. This industry can be um, challenging. I'm sure. Definitely. You know, um, trying to balance and, and try to find some truth around the people that are coming around you. You know, you never know who if they're really just around you because they really enjoy your talent if they're around you because they're trying to get something out of you, like use you for something. Um, yeah. Or you're just, you're, you're naive because you're young. You know what I mean? You know, just, you never know what their reason is. So everyone always has their guard up, you know, all the time. Well, so well, for me, well, for me, I'll say that I've always had a very humbling experience anyway. Mm. Um, and it makes, it, it's actually made me happy that I don't necessarily against popular belief maybe that I don't fit the stereotypical look for what people normally go for and embrace immediately. Mm. It kind of, it's, it's made me happy because now, now I can develop a sense of, of realness around me. And I, and I think that that conveys very, very easily. I think that um, I was talking about body image, body image issues today on Facebook again. Um, it was so interesting to me because the first people who came to uh, disagree with what I was saying were people who were built, built like bodybuilders and built like personal trainers. They all sort of seemed a little bit, and, and also part of our community, they all seemed a little bit almost annoyed with the fact that I was saying that we had this issue. Mm. And um, I don't think that that's something that, people didn't know. I just think that for some reason, it's something that people don't like to talk about because they know it's the truth. Just like this sort of colorism issue too. Mm-hmm. And, and not only our community, but just in society period. But I just think that when you start getting into smaller niche groups of people, those sort of topics become a little bit more evident and you can see it a little bit more. So all of it has pretty much affected me, I would say. Mm. So when you were... image thing. Yeah, so when you were uh, so posting that... It's about body image in our community, mm-hmm. but um, the people who were more built, they seem to have more of an issue with it than yeah. the others. Absolutely. So, like, what were you saying? Was it about, like, all these muscles or something? Like, what no, was it? it was just about... I, I think I, I began basically saying that um, uh, body image issues are destroying the LGBT community. Mm. So that was it. You know, and, and you know, the smaller mm. you write sentences on Facebook, the bigger the print is. Right. So right. I just, I, I, well, I think I actually wrote it last night, like really early in the morning, though. Mm-hmm. And um, that morning, I just started seeing comments, and I was, I just noticed a lot of people were saying, "Well, it's probably because of," and I already knew what was going to happen. They were going to immediately go to the whole self-esteem thing, mm-hmm. and go in and well, you're insecure thing, and not, 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 not necessarily attacking me, but just attacking people who are insecure yeah, yeah and then as i started scrolling through the little like avatars i'm looking at all these sort of like built vin diesel looking type dudes and like the pictures so i'm like <laughs> well how much how much knowledge do you have on this topic if you're not dealing with the issues yourself and then all the people who were dealing with those issues i noticed that they probably 
just by what they were saying, they had those sort of issues. Mm. So it's just it just kind of made me kind of feel like where do we heck where where can we look at different perspectives? And you know whether you're dealing with the issue or if you're on the opposing side, if you're someone who isn't is dealing with it internally. Okay, so, I get you on that. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it. It can be an issue. That is, right. but you know I mean, that's I'm always been a history. Though I think that all of it has affected. You know, you can't just put out music anymore. You have to have a story behind it. Mm. And if you don't have a story, we're going to create a story. <laughs> you mm. have to have the right look and and the right features and the right type of voice. That's why Lizzo. You know, of people, you know, say to me. um that they thought I was attractive, but if my body was a little bit built bigger, then you know, then then this or mm-hmm. um, I like the way you look, but I don't like the way you speak. Mm. You know, there's there's always there's always that story, and that's not even just industry. That's just more so sex appeal, mm. and I think sex appeal trans translate in both your personal life and if you're trying to make it in a public dominated field. Mm. You know, and it and it can make you very subconscious. You, you know, for a long time, and I, I don't think people really. It's not something that I hear talked about a lot, but a lot of a lot of guys don't like to go into the whole thing about when they used to try to change their voice. Like you don't really hear Ugh. that a lot. You know what I mean? You hear people talk about working out and like mm-hmm. you know, hoping and anything, and maybe trying to change your your the, like the way you move and your the way you come across your mannerisms, your yeah, hand or your neck or like any. But you never hear the whole about the, the voice thing, and that's something that also that I think impacts our community a lot. It's like, damn, my speaking voice isn't the type of voice that guys like. <laughs> you know, so it's 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 a, it's a whole Very true. You still have a choice. You still have a choice. You know, but but yeah, yeah, no, I feel you. I mean, it is so tiring. Yeah, or had been, I should say, until I just said, "Fuck it," you know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm just gonna do me. Forty, right? forty does that to you. <laughs> I'm since, telling you. Ever since that. <laughs>
people that jumped to my mind initially were people like Milan Christopher, which he's he's who he is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. His music um represents a certain level of interest and things of the such. But then I compare him to people such as like Frank Ocean, who expressed to share the same sexual preference or interest, yet his music reflects things that are more societally acceptable. Mm. So with that being said, I look at that as what do you do? You know what I mean? Do you try to appease society, which I'm not advocating for, but I see that well, from my just opinion, people gravitate towards things that they can relate to. Um, and like you said earlier, RV, if we don't change how people view people, it's hard to add that extra layer of artists mm. because we're looking at, let's take, you know, black gay artists. So, you know, getting past the black part first, you know what I mean? Right. That's already one level of discrimination. You know what I mean? And then the gay on itself, you know what I mean, is a whole another level of discrimination. So it's like double discrimination, you mm-hmm. know, just before we even get to who the artist is, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I feel that if we don't address those type of things, society won't come in with the open mind to start with to even listen to what you're talking about or mm-hmm. to even try to get your vision or your artistic, you know, creativity. So how do we get people to that point where it's not a means of toleration, but more so just how we move as a society. Mm. We would we would almost have to go in every household though, because it starts at home. Yeah, you know I agree. I mean? So trying to sort of uh, wind people out of that mentality of what they've been taught would be a, a difficult challenge, I think. But you also there has to be a willingness in that individual to want to experience different things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, that doesn't happen until after your teenage years. You know what I mean? Because your parents have already instilled in you. If you're, if you're like, for me, for instance, I knew that I was black. I knew that I was a man. I knew I was Baptist. So mm-hmm. it's like after your 20s, it's like, well, what else is out there? What else are people experiencing? What else are people eating? Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a medium well-done burger until I was 25. <laughs> what? You know what I mean? I was just told that I shouldn't eat anything with anything red. You know right. what I mean? So right. You get to develop your own sort of concepts if you give yourself the permission to. And I right. think that that takes actually having to wanting to seek it. So you have to have a, a, a desire for it. You have to have open mindedness to different ideas and concepts. Of course, we all have our boundaries, but I think that there are basic sort of fundamentals that people should just be open to, you know, mm-hmm. whether you disagree with it or not. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, now, if we can't go to every household, the way we could kind of seep in to the household and at least start working on the a generation of people is getting into the schools, you know? Definitely. Because those kids are in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you may not be able to change... There's another problem, though, with the teachers. So mm. you may not be able to change the parents' way of thinking necessarily and be able to rely wholeheartedly on them, you know, um, practicing, implementing everything that you all talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can educate the kids at school. The hard part would be getting the teachers on board because those are adults as well who may already have their mindset on certain things, you know. I think so we, we just really need... Them, we could get them kids, you know. We, we really need more... In the future. Hopefully things would be a little bit better. Yeah. 
more I, I, visibility. I think that there should be classes taught about LGBT rights and mm. and like that sort of kind of goes into like a subtitle of different people who affected the LGBT community. Yeah, um, I definitely think that that's something that would probably, if we're being realistic about it, I think it would be something that would be great as an elective, sort of try to sneak it in that mm. way. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then sort of like gradually allow it to sort of um, be something that people. Um, can can just be, just be taught and just mm-hmm. hear just like how African American history. Is. Yes, I don't know any. I don't know any high schools right. that teach African American history. It's just a part oh, of no. some sort of subculture of history, like U.S. history, or mm-hmm. I think that African American history should be. They teach it in Mississippi for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow! So, but they do. They need a class for that. Like, you know, issues and things that happen in lynching and slavery and some yeah. college. But they also need. You know, they need that same thing. They need that same thing, like you said, for LGBTQ. Yeah. That also needs to be taught. There are a lot of LGBTQ people who have lost their lives um, yeah. out there, you That's know, true. on the front lines, being who they are. So we are able right. to, all of us are able to walk around and, and, and be who we are. So we, yeah. that needs to be taught to the generations. And those people are getting lost because th- they just don't talk How? about talk about them in schools. But we right. also How need more right. visibility. We need more visibility in on TV, in movies, um, you know, anything, everywhere. All these these channels that we have hundreds and hundreds of channels. And what is the what is the percentage of visibility that you see of gay people, but even black gay people, be it gay or lesbian? You know what I mean? Out of all these shows, you you get every you know every few seasons you'll put one care one gay character on the show and it's a stereotypical character you know so to i think the to get to the masses if we want to start with getting to the masses there needs to be more visibility of gay people just in general so people will then feel comfortable talking about it i think that a bigger issue isn't necessarily what we're not taught, but actually what we are taught. Because if we weren't instilled to believe that homosexuality is bad mm-hmm. and it's toxic and things like that, which are things that we're taught in various areas of our lives, which I don't want to go into details about that today, mm-hmm. but yet and still, not only do you have to educate people about what is, but you have to dismantle all of the garbage and toxicity that they've already been and that itself is an issue yeah so i don't think it's necessarily just you know educating people about you know black gay experiences but more so taking the time to get them to realize that we aren't those demonic you know what i mean um images that you were presented in the first place Mm -hmm. right yeah especially in the black family that that has to be there needs to be an intervention with every black family i'm not even talking about the broader gay community but the black gay community their fa- those families need to be talked to need to be they need they, they need interventions i mean these kids are you're still having kids being put out of the house you know yep. um and it's an alarming rate of young black gay kids that are being pushed out of their house and kicked out of their house because they are just being who they are because they are seeing the the work and the 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 um results from the people that came before us that either lost their lives or were locked up or have passed away and all these things they're see we're seeing the results of that because they're coming out so much younger now 
like they're like they're like 10 and 11 and 12 and that that was not even the case when i was in school like kids were not coming out coming home from school at nine years old talking about mommy i'm gay or Dwayne wade's you know son deciding that he is transgender at such a young age you know there there's there are some examples and things out there for us for them to see but we definitely need more to make it more comfortable for uh for for them to like you said not look at us as being demons and being negative and being bad and all that so we just need more more visibility if they could also accept the fact that it's not a choice Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i'm saying (laughs) that we're actually just born this way so we're not choosing to do this thing that you say your bible says you know i don't want to get into religion Mm -hmm. but you know whatever the reason is why it's bad or evil or demonic or whatever it's we're born this way right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and once i with my own you know once i realize there is no god that i know that would create me in a way that would be like I don't know, against him or her, you know, or it. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that just didn't make any sense. Right. So I was like, God and I are cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> again, you know, people would just understand that it's, it's you're born that way. Yeah. You choose your behavior, and it's, you know, well, some you choose who you have sex with, mm-hmm. um, meaning you can be gay all day, you know? You can be a attracted to men. But you you're going to actually choose to. But you may, sex, yes, you, know? you may not lay down with a man ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Okay. <laughs> you know. Uh. <laughs> Look at there. So um. So tell us a little bit where where uh, Langston, where we can find um more information on you, like your music, your your uh, what you're going to be up to. Yeah. Um. Well, right now. Uh, this Friday, actually, my uh, album comes out. Um, it's going to be available everywhere on all the streaming sites. Uh, Tidal, Apple Music, Spotify, um, anywhere, basically, where you can stream music. Um, the EP version of the project is out right now. Um, and I just didn't really want to do, especially as an opening artist, like I didn't want to do too much music. So I did six songs and I thought that was a really good introduction into mm. discovering a new artist. Yeah. Um, did some up tempos, did a little bit of alternative, um, hip hop inspired as well. And, um, the, the project's called Blonde Winter and yes. uh, basically just reflects on, um, a relationship theme sort of issues, um, that I was having not only with other people, with, with myself. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's not, it's a little dark. Um, it's up tempo. Um, it's hip hop. It, it definitely has a lot of, um, um, open-minded sort of topics and, um, doesn't get too serious, but I think that it's, it's very conversational too. Mm. So, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. I'm excited. <laughs> when is that? Uh, May 22nd? May twenty yeah, second. Yeah, May twenty second. All know. right. Yes. Zay, yeah, what about you? How about you? Are you um <clears throat> getting uh any any uh, book releases coming up while we're in this quarantine? May thirtieth, I'll be releasing my first collection of poetry, collections of a heart beating and broken, which details my experiences dealing with these wet Negroes that I've been <laughs> <laughs> It's cool though, um, because I took tragedy. I I date actively because 
I do seek starting a family. I do seek getting marriage and all of those things. But I am the type of dude that realizes that if it's not working, it's not working. Mm. And I'm not going to waste multiple years in a toxic situation. So my best way to deal with the frustrations that come along with heartbreak is to put pen to paper. So uh, mm. Collections of a Heart is a way to detail the emotions that you feel from that first time you see someone and you get that initial infatuation to the time where you just hate them and wish that you never met them. Mm. <laughs> my, oh my. So you're definitely... Uh, you definitely need to come on and read some. Say that again. I said you definitely need to come on and read read some. We can definitely do a segment on on one of the poems that are in there. That would be really for awesome. Sure. <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. But I'm excited. It's the rawest thing that I've written. Because writing fiction, you can hide behind your characters. But mm. when you really tell people how you feel about things, mm. yeah. um, they really get to get inside of your psyche. So, yeah, that's too uh, Right, so mm. it's a very vulnerable piece, but I'm so excited to share with the world. So mm. that'll be coming up really, really soon. I'm gonna do a virtual release because of COVID, of course. Yeah. But uh, if things change before the end of the year, I will do something physically just to celebrate the accomplishment as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. That's gonna be fun. Yes. I can't wait for that. And Mr. McGill, uh, you have spring break or summer break coming up. Thank you. I had to write down like yeah, the name Blonde Winter. Blonde Winter, and honey. Collections of a heart. <laughs> Yeah, I, look, I really do. You're welcome. My last day at work is Friday. I ain't got shit to do the rest of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so tired of this virtual working. It's driving me nuts. Right. Um, what's the question, Richard? No, I was saying, what are you doing? Because, uh, you know, summer break's coming up, so. Oh. I'm going to sneak a trip to Virginia Beach. Oh. I don't, I'm by myself. I'm not going to see anybody. I just want to sit at the beach. Mm-hmm. I want to order some food. And be by myself for a few nights, you know. Yeah, it's gonna be nice. That for sure. But I mean, other than that, um, where am I gonna go? You know. That's true. I guess we gotta stay. Well, (laughs) child, we gotta stay locked up for a little longer. So you know what? My roommate and I are trying to find a beach, but like in Florida, but they're not picking it up. The other day, just to sort of like feel like I was doing something. (laughs) Right. Just just to go outside, just to walk around. Yeah. Look, it's yeah. time for game of the day. Yeah. This is a good one. This is a good one. I like this one. Okay, so it's a. Uh, what's the prize? You get to stay on the show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. Stay on or come back for another one. Right. <laughs> this one is called uh, "Would You Rather." So you have to pick one or the other. So. Uh, Langston, would you uh, time travel or stop time? Say it again and kind of muffled out. Would you time travel or stop time? Wow. Time travel? Time travel for sure. My mind is always so curious about the future. Ah. So, like, I I think I would definitely time travel for sure. Oh, yeah. See? I I ain't going back. I was like, maybe go back in time, but just to see some things, you know what I mean? But yeah, future, I I like the future too. I don't want to partake in it. I just want to see things that Mm -hmm. actually happen like in real time. Right, Uh, right. So you wouldn't wouldn't want them to see you? Oh, no. And you can't... That's smart. Okay, that, I would do that. (laughs) Yeah. Is that 
But is that what that means, Richard? Yeah, time travel. So you can time travel to the future or to the past. You can't alter time because then you change the future. Once you go back, mm-hmm. you have to be as incognito as possible. Yeah, yeah you can't wanna, say, you can't do anything. <laughs> you can't do anything. Part of me so, wants to stop time so I can rob a bank or something, you know? Like, you just really... And then just go in there and take all the money. He just want know? all the money. I just, I can't stand stop. you. So, yeah, just saying. <laughs> okay, so um, no music or no movies. No movies. Ooh. Yeah, no movies. Really? I, yeah. No, okay. Yeah. I, well, you know what? If you choose movies, you get kind of the best of both worlds. So I would do. I would say because no you can get music. Yeah, movies would not have music if we didn't have music. Oh, is that what that means? No music. But, no music. No, no, right? Music. No. So you're saying that the, that, the, that the movies wouldn't have music in them? If you didn't have music, you couldn't have music? No, no because they had silent movies. They had silent movies. No. I didn't interpret that that way. It's <laughs> music or it's movies. Movies, included in movies, is music sometimes. So yes. part of the movie. All the time. So a musical yes. would count. That's not fair. Right. Yes. Um, yeah, no music. I love music, 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 but I was music. No music. I love movies. Mm-hmm. I love movies, but I love music, so I'm keeping music. Yeah, I love music. I really do. Um, so I can daydream all day. <laughs> oh, okay. Sweatpants or a three-piece suit? Wearing or seeing someone else uh, in? Wearing for yourself. If you had to do it for a whole year, you oh, had to you had to sure. sweatpants <laughs> for the whole year. <laughs> yeah, you got the right panel today. Okay. Yeah. That's so what it was like. Three piece suit. I'm like, what? <laughs> that is no, awesome. Every day, right? Every all day. The, all the time. Thank you guys so much. I hope you guys have fun. Oh, I really did. Yeah. This was a, this was a blast. So, Langston, you have to definitely come back. We need to get you back on here when your yeah, uh, album comes out, to. so we can uh, we can at least play a track of yours or something on there. We could get yeah, get something be awesome. that would be really cool. But I'm so ah, I'm so glad we're back. Season two is so awesome, so awesome. Right? So we're gonna have fun. This is first episode of season two. This is first episode. Yes. So, um, all right. So, Langston, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, I'm Langston John Blaze on everything. That's L A N G S T O N J O H N B L A Z E Blaze. Excellent. And Mr. Marzavian, where can people find you? You can go to my website, www.marzavian.com. Spell M A R X A V I A N. Also, Marzavian Deville or Marzavian on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And Mr. McGill. You know where. Always in Black Boy Joy. You're always there, honey. Wherever. (laughs) Thank you guys uh, for joining us today on the Black Boy Joy Show. And uh, thank you guys for coming in and and hanging with us. Uh, Be blessed and be amazing. We'll see you next time on the Black Boy Joy Show. You guys say bye. Bye.